exploring the mysteries of life and the cosmos with an overwhelming desire to uncover buried truth, discovering whether or not human beings purposefully manipulated the world or something more spiritual has happened or is happening. Researching a wide range of topics such as conspiracies, religion, spirituality, science, health, and history, Apple of Perception delves into the beyond, where nothing is off-limits. This is Apple of Perception Podcast. If the world is an enigma, then everyone is either telling their own truths and or we're all pathological liars. Because everything is consciousness, choice dictates reality, and the truth is within. Recording from Niagara Falls, New York, I am your host, Joseph Edward Vinay. We're going to get back into the reading of my book, Apple of Perception. It is my personal philosophy, occult information, and a self-help book. And you get all of this information for free, just by listening, right here on the Apple of Perception podcast. Apple of Perception, Part 2, Chapter 5, Rebirth. Much has been said as to describe how to find Gnosis. But what is it exactly? The truths implied through Gnosis are so simple it is possible that everyone has obtained it at one point or the other during their life and most just make the choice to ignore or deny it. It is theorized that we are born in this state and through ignorance and fear we are forced to forget. It may be that Gnosis was thought to have been obtained by anyone who had the ability to read and write. Those who bettered themselves with intellectual knowledge in ancient times did have this one-up on common man. The steps of the sciences and intellectual knowledge are sometimes prerequisite to Gnosis, but they are themselves ultimately fallible and not the only path. Any well-educated Roman soldier may have been referred to as a divine by common man, but cloistered monks in Tibet probably had more of a spiritual connection with the divine and could work more magic than they. This gnosis obtained is likened to communion with the divine source within us. It is an awareness that defines one's position in life as a vessel and conduit of consciousness, which is the true power over all things. This is the mystery of heaven within. All the words of Christ in the New Testament about heaven accurately describe the cosmic egg of Hinduism, or tesseract concept of worlds within worlds. He likened heaven to a tiny mustard seed planted in the field of earth which grows into a tree where birds come to perch. He said that the kingdom of heaven belongs to those like children and must be accepted with the humbleness of a child. However an individual chooses to understand this concept, it boils down to an actual place of other dimensional quality. It is akin to a singularity as described in modern physics. It exists everywhere, observed mostly in the state of a proton, or nucleus of an atom, and on its surface is a complete image of the universe. Like a mirror ball, each of its emanations are identical to all others. It acts as a mirror for conscious heavenly magical etheric energy. 
It weighs our deeds within our hearts, like the parable of the judgment of Christ or Osiris upon death suggests, except this judgment occurs constantly. The process of enlightenment, transcendence, ascension, etc., through Gnosis, suggests that upon this second birth, one is no longer considered to be spiritually dead. In other words, once achieved, judgment no longer applies. There are many schools of thought on that concept, but it is definitely something to note. Gnosis being the epitome of spiritual understanding allows for us to consciously unlock our potential. It grants one access to infinity and allows one to do as they please, subject only to the consequences set forth in the divine blueprint and not those imposed upon by other men. Not only that, it harnesses the invisible strands of reality itself and pulls your desires ever closer. It opens the door to a power that allows one to work magic through the universal laws. This is commonly known today as the Law of Attraction. The methods for working it can be found in many works, including the popular tome, The Secret. These Laws of Attraction are simple guidelines, and the methods of utilizing them are vast. It's more of a simple and vague rule that can also be broken. Breaking this rule of karma and maintaining the clarity of Gnosis is the second birth, and compares to the mystical metaphor of being risen from the dead. This concept weighs on the fact that we all judge ourselves for our actions by feeling guilt and fear, or a constant expectation of consequence for every action. It implies Einstein's rule in physics, for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. This is a belief mankind agreed upon and made real for themselves, implemented by the foolish god of Gnosticism, but does not actually exist upon the divine blueprint. Once realization is had that the mirror exists within our own conscious mind, we begin to utilize our minds as a tool by controlling those thoughts and free ourselves from this karmic wheel. The ups and downs of modern life on earth are interrupted from their pattern. We are given the realization that the influence of the outer world need not affect our innermost being, and are returned to an innocent state of being like that of a child. With our slates wiped clean, heaven is ours again, and we are no longer corrupt or spiritually dead. Maintaining this clarity is a constant struggle. Since Gnosis is just the clarity of the path, it can be deduced that it is merely a method to spiritual purity and not spiritual purity itself. The goal is to be perfect, and even the wisest of mortals concede that to be impossible well within this fleshy prison. A quote from the Bible, Psalm 82, God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. The gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. 
I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. But you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God. Judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. End quote. Psalm 82 is a call to all men, elite and common alike, to realize their inherent position of conduits of conscious, etheric energy and progenitors. It is a call to obtain and maintain Gnosis. To maintain the clarity of Gnosis, one must defeat their fear. Our minds fill with accounts of injustice when we unrealistically weigh the wealth of others and compare it to our own. Seeing the grass to be greener on the other side of the fence and not being able to find happiness. These things are a choice we have made. To be happy is a choice. Emotion is a vibration. Though the outside world may make its suggestions, it is up to us to decide how to feel. We have to dismiss any feelings of abandonment and inadequacy and trust that everything is going as it should. When we dwell on horrible things, we draw them closer to us and give those thoughts the opportunity to manifest. We suffer when we believe the outside world has its own order to it, and that we'll encounter Murphy's Law of things going wrong if they have the potential to do so, and especially so when we don't knock on wood. To believe in those foolish man-made laws is to allow their existence. This is like the dim mock, martial arts move that is a delayed touch of death, or the black spot gifted in pirate lore. They are curses, evocations of conscious energy to rise within others to damn themselves, brought on by inception. It is like a curse of bad luck. Truly, there is no such thing as luck. Our position in life, what we have surrounded ourselves with, we have chosen, whether we know it or not. Chaos is subliminal karma and the wheel of fortune, and it only exists when we have yet to learn the lessons. Ignorance of this truth must die in order to grow in spirit. In other words, the spiritually dead must be born again. Regardless of achieving the state of clarity, the energy that propagates our physical reality never ceases to flow. Energy pours forth from the individual into the creation to work like magic at all times. There are several ways all of us work magic every moment of our life, every thought we have and word we speak, and all forms of energy released and held within us go to the cosmos to do their work. The clarity of Gnosis just allows one to understand that. It is likened to communicating with God through the mindful balancing of the weight of their thoughts and deeds upon their heart. To wield that power knowingly is the benefit of divine wisdom. When you realize you can act and speak from a higher mindset, beyond polarized viewpoints, you become immune to attack from karmic forces. That is, you understand and have love for those on each side of any debate. This is when we are in accordance with the divine plan and everything falls effortlessly into place. Just as the pharaohs of Egypt noted that somewhere between the shepherd's hook 
in the master's flail resides the sacred home of the divine. Experience of the two concepts that oppose each other allows the truth of the divine to be found between them. All the while, through Freemasonic rituals, the center of their altar is revered, and through their many degrees, it is ever more defined. The spiritual journey is presumably from the ignorance of youth to the wisdom of old age, from the circle to the point within the circle. To arrive at the pinnacle, you first have to understand where you're rising from. The point within the circle is a symbol given to masons in the entered apprentice degree, but it, like all Masonic ritual, is explained in a manner that dabbles around spiritual truth rather than portraying it directly. It symbolizes the epitome of spiritual understanding. It is the original symbol of a conscious state of mind which is also known as the Seal of Solomon and is presented in a plethora of pathways via the consciously connected omnipotent divinity that propagates this perennial philosophy. The simple circle is a symbol of the divinity. We see it in ancient Egypt as the symbol for Ra, the sun god. It is also the perimeter of all spiritual seals. It represents the world around you as it is perceived through one's senses. It is the individual experience as well as the omnipresence of the material world. The ignorance of youth is a state of mind where one perceives the outer world as the source and progenitor. It is a mindset that identifies the divine as being separate and apart from the self. A mindset where God can be found as a man on a cloud or a primordial spark that happened long ago and far away. The circle is a lesson, reminder, and reflection of divine occurrence. It is the macrocosm. It has been described as many things. It is also a number which represents nothingness, as well as the starting point for all other numbers. The point within the circle represents an opposite mindset of the simple circle. It is the work of many ancient mystery schools to make this ontological shift as a requirement for the progression of spiritual understanding. The point is the divine, divine spark that generates the world around. The circle is the world as perceived by the individual, and the point is sourced within the individual. It is the representation of the macrocosm and the microcosm, where the workings of one are reflected in the other. It identifies a controversial concept that the individual is responsible for their experience in life. Without this simple understanding, the differences in the world's religions become set apart from each other without much similarity. Understanding that the spiritual center and source of all things has a home in the mind and heart of your own conscious center is the skeleton key for decoding the many myths. The alchemical point within the circle also contains two vertical lines. These lines in alchemy represent the solstices, 
the circle represents the progression of the sun throughout the year, and the point represents the earth, which is of course all an allegory for spiritual concepts. Each mystical school throughout history has its own placeholders for these dualistic concepts. Freemasons use the Holy Saints John, the early Christian Gnostics used Elijah and Moses, the Ark of the Covenant simply uses opposing angels, and ancient Egypt utilized a crook and a flail, amongst other things. There are countless examples of these opposing concepts which are likened to the yin and yang, or the divine masculine and feminine. There is much more detail to the many fractal states of consciousness that are cut from the center stone, chakras, the Kabbalistic tree of life, the Norse tree Yggdrasil, Jacob's ladder, Nahustan and Caduceus, the three pillar systems, spiritual anatomy of our bodies, the earth and the cosmos, these are all reflections of the microcosm and the macrocosm. They appear allegorical, but refer directly to the science that propagates the physical world. They portray the inner workings of the soul. These are all variations of the point within the circle, with much more elaborate detail in which one can easily be lost in. They, like the Seal of Solomon, are all fleeting grasps at explaining the allegorical metaphor of spiritual truth. These symbols represent specific mindsets that divide the conscious mind, necessary for experience of the physical and bringing lessons to the mind, constantly being rewritten like the many pantheons of gods throughout history, but ultimately unnecessary once the experience brings the revelation. The persistence of their specificity throughout history is only due to those who teach it and pass it on to others who agree to use it. Once discarded, a new form of the same lesson seems to always appear. The spiritual journey from ignorance to wisdom is about understanding the relationship between the microcosm and the macrocosm. As above, so below. Conscious mirrors karmic returns of spiritual energy spinning on the wheel of fortune. That is what our physical world in all of its dualistic aspects in time and space is. Our experience is tailored for us via the divinity, like the concept of destiny suggests, but with an enigmatic progeny like the age-old which came first, the chicken or the egg conundrum. This is why spiritual work is so useful, because through it, we begin to see the consequences of our actions. We notice that life is what we make of it. Only through spiritual work and perfection of the self can we begin to understand the tesseract or higher self concepts like the cosmic egg of Hinduism. Gnosis is the understanding that the physical world is made manifest via the divine source within us. What we build around this source in our mind and hearts, our thoughts and feelings, is how we form the lens that pulls the light from the divine center. Our choices shape, form, and sustain our own conscious experience. Having this gnosis is to have an ontological shift, knowing that the nature of reality is propagated by the divine etheric force within ourselves is the second birth and rising from the dead. 
It is what separates the spiritually young from the old, the sheep from the shepherds, and the asleep from the awake. That concludes part two, chapter five, Rebirth of Apple of Perception. Stay tuned for our upcoming chapters, Apotheosis and Method. Remember, you can support this program by purchasing a copy of Apple of Perception by J.E. Benet. That's B-E-N-N-E. It is available on Kindle and paperback through Amazon. Until next time, I am Joseph Edward Benet. Take it easy and be excellent to each other.